Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Bite Wings. In today's episode, we will be talking about staff benefits. You know, we're at that time of the year where we get a lot of questions from our clients as well as our listeners about, is this the right time to implement some benefits for our staff? How do we stay competitive with some of the other employers out there? And is it going to be cost-effective in the long run for us to offer benefits? And to answer those questions, we have a very special guest. His name is Michael Battaglia. He's with InsureU2. And these guys, they've been doing this for over a decade now. So without further ado, Michael, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, it's an honor to have you. So, you know, to get started, would you mind letting our listeners know a little bit about you, your company, what you do, and, you know, maybe give some tips on how they can implement this? Sure. My background, I come out of a technical consulting background, and as I moved through life, was looking for something I could do to give back and help people, and I ran into doing benefits about uh, a little over 10 years ago. I got my license, and we put together an agency, and we focused on the small businesses because... Uh, they're the ones that a lot of a lot of agencies don't really want or care about, and mm-hmm. so it's, it's difficult for them. And so we've kind of been on that kind of crusade, just helping those small businesses, people with under fifty employees, and how to put in a strategic benefit package so that they uh, can compete with larger corporations. I see. Okay. And typically, you know, if let's say somebody approaches you saying, Hey, you know, I would like to implement some staff benefits. What are some of the steps that you would take to, you know, make sure it's implemented correctly? Sure. I mean, our first thing we do with the client is ask them why, why are you trying to put them in? Then typical answers, of course, to, um, to, to, employee retention or employee traction, that type of thing, which is what I would say is the middle of the spectrum on why people do benefits. But we also ask them a little more than that because if you're trying to put benefits in that are going to steal people from Apple, you have a whole different um, system than if you're trying to hire a bunch of interns, right? So, so we have to understand where that level is, where the employees are coming from, are they, they, where they are in the market, that type of stuff. So we, we do an understanding of that. And then we put together a package that will address those concerns. We have found the most important thing there is choice for the employees. We find a lot of small companies that will say, let's offer a health plan. This is the one I like as an owner. And you say, well, what if that isn't the one your employee needs, right? So you need to to put out a number of options that allows a client 
or it allows your employees to find the plan and the pricing that's going to work for them. So typically we put together through the companies we offer, they offer six plans. And if you think about it, if you went to a large company, what do you have? You have a lot of options. Well, you could do the same thing yourself. Uh, and that starts competing with those larger ones. Um, we then try to put in different benefits. Dental and visions always must well worn. If you're talking about a dental shop, we don't allow that. The insurance companies don't. So you just have to vision. We also put in a, a thing called the Fresh Bennies, where it offers $0 Teladoc and uh, an advocacy group for employees. So if they have healthcare problems or problems finding doctors or billing issues or uh, they have a large medical expense, they help them work through those things. So it gives them a lot of support cycles. And that's usually employer or paid, not employee paid. So it's kind of a benefit that goes to, it's a low cost benefit. It comes like $10 a month uh, per employee, but yet you've given them a really significant benefit. So it's just structuring things along those ways. Now, that's interesting. And, you know, that actually sounds very appealing. I mean, oftentimes you hear those kinds of benefits being offered by larger companies, but having those exact same options offered by a small business, that's great. And I can also see how having benefits like that can attract more employees, especially right now in the era we're living in. It's uh, in the dental world, it's really hard to find good staff and even if you can you know even if you're trying to pay them at market rate a lot of times what will happen is they, they get poached by let's say another company that's offering benefits on top of whatever uh they were getting paid and that appeals to them more so to stay competitive with the market i feel like it's very important to consider all things and not just a salary or compensation but also to have you know, these additional uh, fringe benefits. And then at the same time, giving them the option to pick what fits their lifestyle best is is key. Yeah, I think that that is a huge, huge thing. And, and it doesn't have to be something that breaks the bank for the employer, right? Um, the, we work with employers to figure out a budget. We like them, you know, instead of doing a percentage of the healthcare costs, we always tell them get a flat rate cost. You know, is it a hundred dollars per employee that you can afford? Is it is it five hundred dollars? Obviously, the more you can afford, the lower the costs are for your employees, and that helps. But important for the company is understanding what their costs are when they hire an employee. So, so we always talk to them about putting together a budget, figuring out what is your, I've got a hundred dollars, I have $200 to spend per employee. And I can follow that through with my cash flow and, and, and my books and understand that instead of having some variable amount that is never known. Um, so it's important you look at both sides, just the business side and the employee side. So let's say if a dental office that has about 10 people working, if the employer decides to offer a benefit package, let's say, you know, it's still considering the various options, right? From a price standpoint, what would be the starting price point for them at the lowest end? Yeah. So you, you, price is always a hard thing to say because it's going to depend on the age of the employees and the location right. and all these other factors. But for the employer, he could say it's going to cost me $100 per employee or $200 per employee. Um, yeah. the, when you're starting to work in a, a, a 
group that has maybe 10 employees, even some of them slightly less, you know, at least five, mm-hmm. there's different health insurance markets out there. Okay. The first one's called fully insured. It's probably what you think about as insurance. So I'm going to go to Blue Cross. I'm going to go to, you know, well, in Texas, uh, small businesses is in that size is going to be Blue Cross. They're about the only ones who offer it and they're certainly the best price. So your competition doesn't come from that. But if you start getting up there, you can go into what's called the uh, level funded market, which is a form of self-funded with a lot of protections on it. And without getting into a whole lot of details, it looks, smells, and acts like what you think of insurance, but it's structured differently. And it's really starting to be built on the health of your employees. So if you have young, healthy employees, you could drive your health care costs down by implementing a program like that. And we, the other thing is, is you, you are the own the money that's being paid on the claim. So if you have a very light year of claims, you actually can get some of that claims money back the following year. I've got companies that, you know, have 10, 12 employees at the end of the year, they're getting two, three, four thousand, five thousand dollars back because all their claims fund wasn't used. So, so, you know, you've got to look at those factors as you get bigger, you start looking more and more into that market and you make a shift. Um, from the, the fully insured. And to be sure, the fully insured, just to help f- fill everything out, the fully insured is the the cost of the plan, the premium is based on the what they call community rating. So the cost of a Blue Cross particular plan is set at a price based on somebody's age, but they get that by saying in that area, what is the claims for that? It's, you know, you could have healthy individuals. It doesn't change your price, right? But in the fully in the uh, level funded, then your health of your employees and that type of stuff starts affecting that. And then you control some of those costs. What's the range of number of employees that you need to have to be able to qualify for that? You could have this down and some companies do too, but typically it's at least four. But they need, if you got four, they got to be really, really healthy and really young, right? So if you start getting into above 10, it starts working a little bit better. If you hit 20, 25, you're really typically in a pretty good shape unless, you know, everybody's, you know, 55 and have health conditions, then, then you have some issues. But, but as you go up, it gets better. You know, it's interesting because they used to only offer those types of plans to companies with over 100 employees. But as the market shift, that's become the, you know, that's they've gone downstream and, and have now offered it to smaller companies. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Now, here's going to be a little bit of a boring accounting type question, but I'm sure you've seen this. When you see a business owner with multiple uh, locations, right, do you recommend each location to have its own plan or to have one under, let's say, an umbrella one then yes. to allocate between the other locations? So is, is everything answer is that depends, right? So there's a couple of things to keep in mind. It, and this affects maybe some companies without them even knowing it. So the first is common ownership. Uh, there are regulations that if you have 20 employees or more, you have to meet. And if you get over 50 or more, there's different regulations. As a matter of fact, if you're over 50 or more, it's a different insurance market. But that isn't just for an EIN or just for an no. office. 
if you have common ownership with another company, that counts across the numbers count across, you know, and if you own a percentage, that's a percentage of the employees, that type of stuff. But common ownership has to be accounted for because let's say you have over 20 employees, you now are, have to offer COBRA. So mm-hmm. your office might have three employees, but the other company you're part ownership of has 2000. Well, guess what? You're now under the regulations for COBRA. So you got to look at that. We have, so we structure because the market changes when you get over 50 employees, a lot of times somebody with multiple branches will will put together a maybe a management company where the executives or stuff are in a holding company. And then each branch has a, their own EIN because if you put them all together, you hit this magical 50 number and have to go to a different market, which isn't always the best options. So they will then... Uh, have their own insurance in each office. Other times, because altogether they're 20 people and we want to take advantage of getting them into a level funded plan, we'll, we'll put them all together. So um, it just depends on the size, the health of the employees, the structure of the company. You can go through all those kind of analysis and look. Um, but the, the important thing is if you have all branches add up to over 50 employees, you have to offer them insurance. So if you had five companies with 10 employees each, you have to offer all of them insurance. It's no longer an option. I see. Those are some great points that you just raised, Michael. So that's good because you run into that sometimes. And then you'll have people that will listen to advice from their friends or, you know, somewhere online. And they go about, you know, as you just mentioned, setting up multiple different EIN locations and they're treating them separately until they run into that common ownership issue. So I'm glad that you brought that up. It also makes me wonder, like, how difficult are those conversations when you bring that up uh, to your clients? Most of the times, business owners are happy with with education, right? They like to know what the actual truth is. Uh, this is hard. It, it don't matter if you're, you know, labor laws. It's the government involved and it's difficult sometimes to, to have all that. And certainly they'd rather find out up front like that than when, you know, an audit is done and they're knocking on their doors, giving them fines. Right. So uh, they look at that structure. We, we've, we've had companies change their company structure in order to um, fit those regulations better and help them with their strategic uh, plans as they went forward. Just to segue to a different topic, but again, related to benefits. Is there a particular time of the year when one should consider implementing it because it's better in some way? There's only one time of the year that changes anything for anyone. And that's if you're small, you have a number of employees and not everybody wants insurance. When you offer insurance, there's two pieces that the insurance companies care about. And that's what you're going to contribute. So there's a contribution level and there's a participation level. So if you had a a 20 person company and two people want insurance, the 18 don't, um, they're not going to give it to you. And there's some complexities to that, right? So they don't count people already have insurance if they're on their spouse. But on the other hand, they have to have at least 50% of all the employees in some cases. Some cases it's different. But come the time there's open enrollment 
for individuals, which just ends tomorrow, then they drop all that. So we've had companies that couldn't get participation put the plan in place uh, for January 1 of the next year, and they turn all the paperwork in before December 15th, and now they have no participation requirements. So I've had a company with 10, 15 employees, and one person took it. And you say, well, what benefit is that? Well, I don't know the next person you hire, whether they're going to take it. And even better, if you could say, I have benefits in place, it's better than saying, I don't. So sometimes there's a strategic advantage then. But if you don't have a participation problem, any time of the year works the same as any other time. I mean, every month the costs go up a little bit. So the sooner in the year, the better. But we have, there's not a month I don't have that I don't have renewals, right? Every, obviously the most are in January, but in July I have people who renew. Now, you also talk about some of the people that are interested in implementing, let's say, a group health insurance plan, mostly because it's cheaper for them. And when I say them, I mean the owners. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is it a good idea for them to intentionally choose packages that may deter existing employees to pick those options, but is in favor of them because it's cheaper as opposed to, you know, getting it themselves. Yeah. yeah so uh, the answer that's kind of, it, 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 I've seen that, right? First off, whatever you offer, you have to offer to everybody. And it has to be equal. Uh, and, and I say that there's some caveats, like if your executives pay more, you, you offer less contribution to somebody who's making 100000 than you do, you know, and, and you double it. For somebody's making twenty thousand, you're okay, but the opposite way isn't. And there's actually a test, but they go through and they look and make sure that your benefits aren't top heavy. And if they are, that's actually breaking one of the rules, and that causes you a problem. So uh, we don't recommend doing that. There's ways around some of that. You know, I've seen companies put all the executives in one company, one EIN, and offer it there. Restaurants do that sometimes because it's hard to get their employees to to buy. There's some other tricks of those traits, but um, it, it's best just to know what your costs are going in and what you can afford to offer. Look at your budget, figure that out, and then start there. Mm, I see. Great advice. That's good. Do you feel like the cost of offering employee benefits have gone up in the past couple of years? Yeah, but unfortunately, benefits have gone up every year. There's no no doubt about that. There's lots of reasons in our system. Um, I'll stay off that soapbox, but they do. And then it'll be up to the employer to, does he pass those costs on to his employees or does he absorb some of them? So maybe he's contributing $200 a month. Maybe he goes to 220 and takes some of the costs and puts the rest on the employees. So there's ways to manage that. But just offering, I actually have some companies that don't even contribute. The employees will still usually take it because it's cheaper typically than if they go off and get individual insurance. So you're already saving them money because you're offering it. So so it's really just you got to structure on what you're trying to accomplish, um, 
who you're trying to attract and you got to be careful that you, you do things that help the employees. Mm-hmm. And typically in the market, what's the set standard now for, you know, eligibility for benefits that you see? So eligibility is 30 plus hours per week is considered full-time for benefits. You could offer them to part-time employees if you wanted to, but if you offer them, you have to offer it to anybody over 30 or more hours. Um, There's some ways, things like if you have variable hour employees, some employees that you don't know, if they're going to work full 40 hours, you know, you could put some other controls in place, but, but the, the baseline is that. And can you set like a probationary period, like first three weeks, once you start, you're not going to be eligible for any of the employee benefits, but however, once we've completed your evaluation, then you may be eligible. Yeah. The law allows for that. The very dollars employees and some other stuff is a little different, but the standard employees the law allows for you to give up to 90 days and not 91 days. And it's not calendar, you know, months, it's not three months. So typically they're offered, the max offered is usually the first of the month after 60 days. So you're pushing the three months, but if you, you know, if you get hired on the second, then you're more closer to 60 days. But if you get hired on the 30th, you're closer to 90 days. I see. Okay. That's interesting. All right. That's good to know. And are there any special promotions that you guys are offering right now for new recruits or, you know, new clients? Yeah, no, we can't offer any, any offers, anything back. We can only do what the insurance companies do. And, and that's kind of an interesting thing, right? So I can't get you any different prices than any other agent. A Blue Cross price for a 24-year-old, you know, on Plan X is the same as anybody's, right? So I can't, and legally I can't do things like thank you and give you, you know, uh, tickets to a a dinner, right? I can't do anything like that. Uh, It's just not part of the regulations. You'd lose your license somebody's out there looking for benefits, your benefit broker, it's what he offers in his way of thinking that's the most important because we're all going to kind of offer the same plans, but how do you strategically think? One thing we offer is we don't believe you and your company that size know a darn thing about benefits and you shouldn't talk to your employees about it. We take all those questions. We take all that load off. We don't, we give them a virtual office to come in and talk to us. We give them uh, our phone numbers. Uh, you know, I, I, people crack up because they'll text me at 10 o'clock at night and I'll answer. I've answered emails at two o'clock in the morning because I happen to be up. That's, you know, when you're valuing benefit brokers, that's what you're looking for is somebody who is going to make your life easier, not harder. And besides, if you start telling them how you think the benefits works and you're wrong, that's a problem, right? And most people don't understand it well enough to, to tell their employees about it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. There's a lot of education that's required by the brokers. And and you're right. I've actually heard that before where they 
especially someone who's going into it for the first time. They always come and tell me that, hey, Ash, do you have anyone to refer that can do a little bit of handholding? I'm afraid to admit or say that I don't know a lot about this. Having someone on their team that can do that for them is great. Yeah, we think that's the most important thing is the thing an employer has to remember is he has no idea what his employees are going through. Um, it's funny. I, I know so many of the employees from my employers that it's, it's, I mean, I know them by name. I know what's going on in their life because we talk enough about issues they're having or how they can handle certain things. And an employer has to remember that a plan that may not look right for him is right for someone else. You don't know if your employee has a child going through open heart surgery. And so you've got to offer something that's going to be right for them. And that's where that choice comes from. I've had so many employers say, you know, and they don't understand employee benefits. They go, oh, but I would never give that high deductible plan. I don't want anybody having that high deductible plan. That's not good for them. Yet, it might be the best plan for you, right? It's funny. Sometimes those are the cheapest plans all around, even if you have a major incident. So... It's really trying to understand that and making sure your employees are as educated uh, as they can be so they can make the right choices for them. Those are the things that you can put benefits in anywhere. Mm-hmm. Benefits don't necessarily make it as part of it's the culture. And if your culture is letting them get the maximum amount of their benefits, that's going to be important. Well said. No, absolutely. And you also brought up something interesting because no matter how much the employer wants to connect with the employees, sometimes it gets difficult in a professional setting. And having that lack of transparency makes it difficult for the employer to be able to actually give them what they need. But well, having the options will give them that without being able to know fully what's going on in their personal life. Well, and they got to be careful. They, they can't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Simple loss. There's, you know, and, and then you guys, your, your uh, followers, yeah. are dead. they know all about HIPAA laws. They, you know, you can't go and go, oh, what's going on with your child? Right. On the other hand, right. they're going to call me up and go, hey, I need to have, the child's going to have to have a surgery for this. Can you help me through it? Uh-huh. Right? And, and uh, you know, we take that very seriously. I, I mean, I'll be honest. So my first early client was doing individuals and I had a lady who, um, her, her baby was going to be born and need open heart surgery the next day. And I had to wow. figure a way to help her out. And, uh, then later after ACA came in place, um, none of those plans on the exchange would allow her kid to stay at the hospital with the doctors they needed. And we had to figure that out. I realized benefits aren't at that point, benefits just aren't something you offer to make it look good and, and see if you can get people to stay. They're really, really important, and they affect people's life in ways that you just don't even think about when you put them there. And it's it's such an important thing that you take care of your employees in a way that makes their life uh, able to be lived. Oh, I'm so glad you actually mentioned that because I'll admit, sometimes I get lost with that as well. When I'm looking at numbers constantly, I think I forget that part. Yeah. yeah. It's just more like, okay, you know, it's this time of the day. I'm going to get 
to work and these are some of the things I have to achieve. It's like goals, goals. And then what do I achieve and how do I make it happen? How do I meet the deadlines? But then the people, your team members who are working on it, there are things that can affect them, which consecutively can affect the work as well. Being a good leader would mean that you're not just, as you mentioned, just offer competitive benefits just so you are on par with your other brethren, but at the same time, you, you're, you're truly caring for them. Yeah. I, I don't like working, in a, and I've turned some companies away uh, mm-hmm. because they are just trying to check a box. And I've got a passion of helping people, and, and I can't do that to them. we got to do the right thing to get those employees at the right spot. Otherwise, it, it's just not worth doing. Same. Well, that's good. And, you know, with all these red tapes and complicated rules and whatnot, having someone with the knowledge that can guide you through it, I think it's tremendous. It's great. And being able to not just do it for yourself and your family, but also the work family that you've developed by having your uh, practice or your business. So no, I thank you, Michael, for sharing all that information and being on our show to let our listeners know what's out there and how you may be able to help them and be able to provide them with not just the numbers and the strategies, but also the, uh, the human side of it, you know? I, yeah. I, and I appreciate you let me come on and, and talk about that because people forget it. It's too important. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree. So thank you again for being on our show, Michael. It was a pleasure. I look forward to, you know, working with you again, hopefully soon. Pleasure was all mine, Ash, and, and I hope we help some people out there. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond by Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at eandassociates.com.